the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we join senior Pastor Will Ramirez in a study of the book of Numbers. The Israelites had rebelled against God and did not trust Him to give them victory in the land of Canaan, the land of promise. So God judged them, saying that no one above the age of 21 would enter into the promised land except for Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. God was merciful and just in His judgment. God had given them more laws for them to draw in closer and work on having a genuine relationship with Him, their loving Father. God wants to bless His people, but He takes sin very seriously. We join Pastor Will back in Numbers chapter 15, verse 22. While these instructions are to help fix their rebellious hearts, the truth is that we still fail. And and so what is Israel to do if they fail to do the things God commanded? What if they forget? Or what if they just don't want to do it? We're going to read now. How do they handle it? It depends on whether you failed to do it by mistake or you knowingly refused to do something that God told you, instructed you to do. So verse 22, we get to our first mention in the Old Testament here of what we call sins of omission or unintentional sins. Now, you say, wait a second, we covered that in Leviticus. We did, but it was sins of commission. In other words, God says that you are to not get angry at your neighbor and put a thing in front of his ox because you're mad at him. You know, so his ox trips up and now he can't plow for a couple weeks. Let's say you unintentionally leave out your cart or something and the ox trips over it and now he doesn't have access to his ox for two weeks. It was unintentional. Well, then you go and you say, Lord, I didn't mean to do that and I totally realized I blew it. I wasn't responsible. I'm sorry. You'd bring a sin offering. Well, let's say you were really upset and emotional and you're just like, I hate this guy. And then you put the cart there and then, you know, his ox breaks a leg or whatever. And, and then afterwards you're like, I should not have done that. That was wrong. And you come to the Lord, you bring a trespass offering. That is a sin of commission. You did something you shouldn't do. A sin of omission is where you don't do something you're supposed to do. And this has direct correlation to this here because God's giving them instructions for offerings, for feasts and all that kind of thing. So the idea here is what happens if you come to like Passover or something and you forget? That would be hard to do in Jewish culture, but let's say you forgot. Well, then God covers that. But also let's say you just said, I don't want to do it. God's going to cover that too. So first off, we're going to deal with what this sin is. It says, now if you have erred, verse 22, which actually the word if there means when, because they're going to err. When you have erred, and the word there, erred, means to inadvertently wander off the path, okay? When you have inadvertently, you don't intend to, but you wander off the path, he says, and you don't observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken unto Moses. Even all that he commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day that the Lord commanded Moses and henceforth among your generation. So this is not just the commands in this chapter, but all the commands God has given up to this point through Moses. He says, if you... Don't observe. And the word there, again, shows us it's a sin of omission. Well, we learned about sins of commission. You did something you shouldn't in Leviticus. 
This deals with things that you didn't do that you should do, that you erred. You inadvertently wander off the path. Now, you might be saying, well, well, they didn't mean to miss Passover or not do this thing they were supposed to do. Why do they have to do something about that? Everybody forgets, right? Our tendency is to say, oh man, I forgot and figure that not doing something we should isn't as bad as doing something we shouldn't. But God sees it otherwise. My kids, when they were younger, because they don't do that when they're older, right? Those of you who have teenagers, they don't do this. They have chores or they have homework or whatever. And oh, I forgot. They don't do that when they're older, right? But when they would do that, one of the things I would try to tell them is I say, I know you just said, oh, I forgot. And you're looking for mercy. But can I rephrase what oh, I forgot also means? Oh, I forgot also means I didn't make it important enough. I didn't make it a priority. Let's make it a priority from now on. And here's why there's going to be consequences for just forgetting. And then hopefully they learn to make it a priority from now on. Because the Lord's the same way with us. I remember my boss, I was at work. I was a GM for a restaurant and my owner, I had a habit of forgetting some things that he would ask me to do. I was a good GM, very successful. We had great numbers at our store, but I had a tendency to forget the little things he'd asked me to do. I remember one day he pulled me into his office and he sat me down and he said, well, if you keep forgetting these things, I'm going to fire you. It was pretty straight up. He's a very gentle man and he was a believer. And it just caught me by surprise. But I realized how seriously it offended him that I didn't make the things he was asking me to do important to him. And he would say, I know these things seem like little things. I know you're not intentionally meaning to forget them, but you're also not writing them down on a note to make sure you don't forget them. And that shows me it's not important to you. And these things are important to me. And I'm the owner and you're not. Man, it straightened me quick. This is what he told me. He said, listen, here's the system I've used to organize myself. You can feel free to use it. I'll be happy to share it with you. But whatever you need to do, you need to come up with a system so you don't forget anything else. Now, I became a sticky note guy. If you come into my office, you're going to see sticky notes everywhere. It's just who I am. I got sticky notes everywhere and I cross things off. Because if they're not crossed off, I have OCD. So they're constantly looking at me going, fix me, fix me, do me. And I can't sleep and rest until I know it's done. So it's constantly bugging me. If it's in my sight, it must get done. I'm the type of guy that if my desk is a mess, it doesn't have to be necessary clean of dust, but everything needs to be in its place. Those things help me to do that. So maybe that's a side thing for you. If you forget, make sticky notes. But the idea is, oh man, I forgot is the same thing as saying, well, Lord, it's just not that important to me. And so he does take it seriously. See, forgetting means failing to put necessary importance on his commands. Therefore, those inactions that you take must be dealt with just like actions that are sins. So verse 24 Here's what you have to do. National omissions. So these would be omissions committed by the entire nation. Verses 24 through 26. Then it shall be if ought be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering for a sweet savor unto the Lord with his grain offering and his drink offering according to the manner. In other words, what we just studied in this chapter and one kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel and it shall be forgiven them. For it is ignorance. And they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their ignorance. And it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel, and the stranger that sojourns among them, seeing all the people were in ignorance. We see this example as a King Hezekiah, where they decided to celebrate the Passover because it hadn't been celebrated for years and years and years. But there was some problems with being able to get ceremonially clean in time. And so they couldn't do it on the appropriate date. And they came to the Lord and said, Lord, we don't want to be separated from you. What do we do? And the Lord said, celebrate it the next month. They came. They said, Lord, we we did this ignorantly. We didn't purposely just go, well, we know it's Passover. We don't care. Can we do it next month, Lord? That's not how they came. They came to the Lord and said, Lord, we saw that we should have done this, but we didn't. It wasn't important to us before, but it's important now. What do we do? 
Well, the Lord was gracious with them. He forgave them and he showed them a way to go forward from there. That's the heart of the Lord here. Now, why must they bring a burnt offering? In the past, if you sinned, you just bring a sin offering. Why do they have to bring a burnt offering with all the appropriate additions that we learned in this chapter to fix a sin of omission, but you don't for a sin of commission? Well, remember the burnt offering symbolized surrender. So this was communicating to the Lord that your heart is surrendered now, even though you let something slip by in the past when it wasn't. Does that make sense? Now you're saying, Lord, we won't forget again. We're going to make this important from now on. See, it's a recommitment to not let this happen in the future. If you find this, this is frequently a problem for you. Like you say, oh, I keep forgetting to read my Bible. Oh, you know, I keep forgetting to do this thing and I, you know, I know I need to do. Or, oh, I'm in study. Or, oh, this thing I know God wants me to do to reach out for the homeless or whatever it might be. And you just keep forgetting. Can I suggest to you that your problem isn't a memory problem? It's a submission problem. You need to bring not just a sin offering where you come to the Lord and go, Lord, I know Jesus died for me, so I ask you forgive me for forgetting. I think you need to bring something else with it. I think you need to bring a submitted heart that goes, Lord, I've just not made this very important to me, and I want to right now. What I am going to go next week, where you set a date and you say, this is what I'm going to do. Frequently, when people come to me with sensitive information, if someone's been unfaithful to their spouse, or you know, if a child, like a teenager, will come to me and it's something very sensitive, and they'll confess it to me, I'm their pastor, but other people are involved that they need to probably have a conversation with. I will usually end, I'll say, okay, we'll go through forgiveness, we'll go through repentance. I'll say, okay, 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 I know where I need to go from here. I say to him, you have one more thing to do. I was like, you need to go talk to your spouse about this. And I give him a deadline. I say, you have one week or I'm calling them up because it's not right for me to know this and not them. That's where it kind of gets serious of whether you're really repentant or not, right? But that's important. You shouldn't need a pastor to tell you that. When you are repentant and you're making change, you should make your own deadlines where you say, not just, I'm going to do this in the future, Lord, where you go, Lord, I'm doing this tomorrow. <laughs> or sometimes it may be something like, I'm doing it right now. Like, like reading your Bible, the, the right thing isn't to go, Lord, I'll make sure I get up tomorrow and do that. No, it might be stay up a little bit later tonight and do it tonight. Because if you don't do that, you have to ask the question of, have you really dealt with the problem? I don't say that to beat you up. I say it because I want you to get well. Because the Lord wants you to get well. He wants you to walk in those things. So he tells them, bring a burnt offering with that. Instead of just saying, I'm sorry, I messed up again, God, a good way to show that you are serious about it is by sacrificing something else so it doesn't get in the way of what you should do again. To say, Lord, I'm not gonna go to sleep right now. I'm gonna read my Bible. I'm gonna pray. You know, I'm gonna make sure I get up in the morning and I go and I talk to that person or I have that conversation or I make sure I make it to Bible study tomorrow night. And then you call up and you go, hey guys, I know I said I was gonna go play basketball, but I need to go to men's study tonight. I'm gonna be there. I just, I need to do it. So I'm really sorry. I'll, I'll make sure I'm, when next time we go out and play basketball, I'll be there. Do you see the, the thing there? You need to make another sacrifice somewhere else so you can do that thing that God wants you to do. Now, what if it was just you that sinned? It wasn't the whole nation by omission. Well, verses 27 through 29. And if any soul, so an individual, sinned through ignorance, the word there, ignorance, means unintentional wrong or by accident. If any soul does that, then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering, just like you normally would. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sins ignorantly when he sings by ignorance before the Lord to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. So you shall have one law for him that sins through ignorance, both for him that is born among the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourns among them. And again, I love this here that God again invites Gentiles to worship him. He wants everyone to worship him. He wants a good relationship with all of us. What if you ignored God on purpose? Doesn't the trespass offering cover a sin of omission there? 
No, not at all. Look at verse 30. But the soul that does aught presumptuously, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproaches the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. Wow, that's heavy. Why? Well, these words explain a little bit to us here. What does it mean to sin presumptuously? The phrase in the Hebrew, it means to do with a high hand. But the soul that does something with a high hand. Now, remember, the the Hebrew language is very pictorial. So the idea with a high hand, it's almost like to shake your fist in defiance and rebellion. To say, no, I will not. You're not going to tell me what to do. It says, if you do that, no matter who you are, stranger or Israelite, foreigner or Israelite, the same reproaches the Lord. You are speaking or acting against the Lord when you do that. See, guys, this isn't stealing something and getting convicted later on. This is shaking your fist at God and saying, I know you tell me to celebrate the Passover, but I don't care. I don't care. It's Super Bowl night and I'm not doing it, right? You know, it's this or it's that. I'm not doing it. I know you say I'm supposed to keep the Sabbath. I don't care. I need to work every day. I need to do this. And I, I say these things jokingly because you go, who, what Jew would do that? We'll actually get an example in a minute, but what you would do that? But what Christian would ignore his wife and his kids because his job is so important? But we do it sometimes, don't we? What Christian would ignore going to church because he's too busy? But how many times have I heard that as a pastor? How many times have you heard that when you're trying to you know, reel somebody in and encourage them to come to church? I'm too busy. Well, you're a Christian. What do you mean you're too busy to obey the Lord? We do the same thing. The Lord says in here, the penalty for that, not for not coming to church, but the penalty for this is death is death. The penalty then is death. Why? Because he has despised the word of the Lord. When you do that, when you despise the word of the Lord and you break his commandment, the Bible, it's saying that you make yourself to be greater than God. If there is a chief problem with our culture, particularly I think our Christian culture right now, it is this. We name the name of Christ, but we're still our own God. We still call the shots. And, you know, when we look at our culture as a whole, particularly like the American culture, you look at most people and you ask them this question, do you think you're a good person? What are they going to say? Yes. Now, some of those people might go, why they seem like nice people? But a lot of those people would be like, you're a horrible person. (laughs) You've left your spouse. You've, You've abandoned your kids. And you think you're a good person? Oh, yeah, I'm a good person. I work hard. Okay. But we do that, don't we? We see people who say it all the time. See, in our culture, we don't consider ourselves to be bad people. And here's why. It's because we don't actively do anything that we consider to be really bad. We look around and we go, how many times have I heard an unbeliever say this? I say, well, I'm not like Hitler. Okay, you're setting the bar really high. Really high. What does it mean to be a good person? Well, I'm not like Hitler. Okay, you're pretty much saying almost every person who's lived throughout history, okay? We're We're not really describing good person by saying not like Hitler. It's the sin of omission part. We think we're good people because we don't do things that are really bad. We think, well, I don't kill people. I'm not a drug addict or I'm not a this. Or we, we list all sorts of things depending upon where we are in our lives, the things that we consider really bad. I've heard guys who are drunks that are totally have abandoned their families, not physically, but emotionally because they're never sober enough to be there for them and go, well, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good man. I work hard. And you're like, you are so into the booze that you, you're not there for anybody. What qualifies you for a good person because you brought home a paycheck? Congratulations. I hope that's not how we define goodness in our culture. But frequently it is. The reason is, is we we don't look at our sins of omission. 
Our culture looks at the things that we don't do that we consider to be really bad. And so what do we do in our culture? We ignore God. We go about our lives, in essence, making ourselves God. Let that never be said of us. Let it be said of us that we are yielded to the Lord and we let him call the shots. We say, God, what do you want me to do? Not just, well, I think I'm okay because I'm not Hitler. I'm not a deadbeat dad or I'm not this. I tell you, the Lord will challenge you. There are many times that I would try to, as a pastor, you see a lot of horrible things. You see marriages that are just, you look and you go, I don't even know how people are alive in this family right now. And it breaks your heart. And it's very easy to walk home and go, man, how come my kids don't listen to me? I don't do any of that stuff. And the Lord will be like, really, Will? How about be doing better here? And how about doing better here? And how about doing better there? And you can very easily harden your heart and go, wow, God, you're just... You're just all up in my grill because I'm, not, you know, because I'm not doing this. I'm not perfect. Jesus said, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven's perfect. We can never lower the standard and think we're okay because we're not as bad as somebody else. Our heart should always just be saying, Lord, how can I grow? You know, where are you calling me deeper? Because I found God always has something to say to me when I ask him that. As we were singing that song, Before the Throne of God Above, I have this great high priest who loves me and accepts me as I am. I just became overwhelmed as we were singing with the thought, why am I not there more? Why am I not praying more? I've had even people where I've talked about that and they've come to me and said, well, you can't beat yourself up about that. Hold on, I was not beating myself up at all. I was just totally, just the Lord ministering me going, Will, I want you to pray more. And I was realizing I don't pray enough. That's a good thing. The commandment of the Lord is good. It's righteous. It cleanses the soul. That was a good moment for me to be drawn closer to him and to say, what could we accomplish even more in our, my family and in our church and our city if I prayed more, you know, if you prayed more? So that was a good moment with the Lord. There's nothing condemning about it at all. I felt drawn by those bands of loving kindness. We must not do that. Let it never be said of us that we just, we are our own God. Now, to show you how bad that attitude is and why the penalty is death, right afterwards, right after God gives this command, someone defies it. Look at verse 32. And while the children of Israel were in the desert, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they say that found him, gathered sticks, brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward. They, they basically put him under house arrest because it was not declared what should be done unto him. So the Lord said unto Moses, this man shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And so all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, you might be thinking out there, wow, you've got a sick, twisted mentality. You're chuckling while you read that, Will. Let me tell you why I'm laughing. It's one of those ha-ha funny, you know, but not really funny. Here's why I laugh. I have heard people who have left the faith because of these verses. I can't serve a God like that. Guy's just picking up sticks. Let's back up just a moment and figure out what's really going on here. Because if you read this story by itself, especially in the King James Version, it looks like one of the harshest things God could ever do. I've seen people refuse to believe the gospel or walk away from the faith because of these five verses. And if some guy was killed because he inadvertently picked up sticks on the Sabbath, we probably would have good reason to question God's kindness and love. But that is a very simplistic approach to this passage. It's an ignorant approach to this passage. The word there found, they found him, it means to discover or uncover. It conveys an element of shock or surprise. They didn't stumble upon some guy just going, I like sticks, I'm going to pick him up. And God goes, kill him. That is not what's going on here, all right? He's not out playing with his kids, playing rocks and sticks. You know, he's not out there doing that. That's not what's going on. They come out and they're walking around. They see this guy and he's, 
Not hacking wood because in the desert they didn't have that. But he's gathering up the word there for sticks. It's actually the word for timber, wood for a fire. He's out, and in a desert, you got to really look for that. He's out doing work. He's having a work day. And so they're out walking around, resting, enjoying just the day off that God gives them, and they're shocked to find someone working. Shocked to find, you say, how do you know he's working well? Well, quite simply, timber would only be used for one thing, cooking a meal. While Israel is still kind of rebellious with the Lord and quite unrepentant, they feared God enough to still honor the Sabbath law was one of the Ten Commandments. But not this guy. This guy says, I don't care. I don't care that we're not supposed to cook on the Sabbath. I want a hot-cooked meal tonight. I've been living in the desert long enough. I don't want manna. I want a hot-cooked meal. I went out and killed me something, and now I've got firewood for it, and I'm cooking it. I don't care that it's the Sabbath. I'm cooking it, so I'm working today. And he defies God's clear command to abstain from work, a deliberate sin of omission. Now, the people already knew the penalty for such was death. So when they come to Moses and go, we're not sure what to do with this guy, God's answer is clear. He's to be put to death. In Exodus 35, one through three, God even dealt with this specific kind of thing. This was not something to catch him by surprise. Turn to Exodus 35 with me. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, these are the words which the Lord has commanded that you should do them. Six days shall your work, work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be unto a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever does work therein shall be put to death. And here it is. You shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. Can that be any clearer? What is this guy out doing collecting wood? This is hardly a whim of God to teach Israel a lesson. This was a situation where a rebellious man defies God and unrepentant people don't necessarily want to obey God by putting him to death. And so God holds him to the consequences of what he had laid out clearly well in advance. He had told them this was the penalty and now he holds them to it. God is not capricious, but he takes sin seriously. The truth is, all of them should be dead right now, right? For what they had done in rebelling against him and not going to the promised land and making their own captain to go back to Egypt. But they're not. He had dealt with them in mercy. This man, though, crosses a further line that God had to deal with. When this happens, it's a pretty heavy thing. And so God closes off the chapter with one more thought. God isn't finished trying to help them walk with him. And so he commissions Moses to give the people something to remind them to obey the Lord. Look at verses 37 through 41. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes or tassels upon the borders or the hem of their garments all throughout their generation. So everybody. And that they put upon those tassels of their hems a ribbon of blue or a cord of blue. So you've got a tassel that's at the bottom on the hem of your garment. In the middle of that tassel is a blue cord. And it shall be unto you for a fringe or a tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord. So you don't forget and do them. And that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a whoring, that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. For I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I want a relation. I want everything to be good. I am the Lord your God. I want to give you this rule to help you to remember. It's interesting, most Orthodox Jews today wear a four-cornered vest with tassels because of this scripture. And some of those men say they actually wear a tassel for every single commandment that they have to obey. I don't necessarily think that's God's point. Because <laughs> having 300 and some odd tassels or however many it is they have to obey is quite, I'm not sure going to remember them all. The tassels, I think, are to cultivate a heart attitude of obedience. To remind me to do what he says when I'm tempted to not do what he says. And if they aren't doing that, then it's just a string. <laughs> The whole part here is to remember the commandments of God. 
Why? Because God wants a relationship with you and me. And sin gets in the way of that relationship. You know, it's beautiful. Everything points to Jesus. So these tassels speak of the cross. The central reason why we can obey God. Because Jesus kept every command of God. And now he's given us his righteousness. He didn't leave anything out that God wanted him to do. He said, everything the Father's told me to do, I do it, right? So he is our perfect Example. He is our perfect righteousness that now we are clothed with. We also learned in Leviticus that blue is a symbol of grace. So the blue cord in the middle of the tassels points to grace. So while I don't keep God's commands perfectly, he has showed me grace when I turn from my sin and put my trust in him and he continues to do so. He has now put his spirit inside of me and as I come into the light and come with repentant heart and seeking his forgiveness and confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to wash away all that unrighteousness and to send us back out into the fight. Amen? So let's do that. Remember who we're clothed with, the righteousness of Christ, and to not forget his commands. Rather than being capricious, God wants them to succeed is what this chapter is about. But sin is serious and it's destructive. How about as we leave tonight, let's all take God's protective warnings to heart. Amen? Let's all stand. Lord, we do take your protective warnings to heart. And while the word here about all the sacrifices and stuff isn't for us, we don't do that. Lord, how many other things have you said in your word that we should do? Not to neglect the fatherless and the widow. Not to neglect loving our brothers and sisters. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Well, we don't want to do that. We don't want to commit those sins of omission and comfort ourselves because we don't do anything really bad. Lord, help us to have hearts that just long to be obedient to you. And so we commit to you now, Lord. We give you our hearts. We resubmit ourselves to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would send us forth into this world that needs to see you shine through us. Fill us with yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The people failed, but God still wanted to move forward with them. He desired for them to repent and walk with him. He wasn't finished with the Israelites. Likewise, God never gives up on us. Even when we fail and completely blow it, God is merciful and waiting for us to repent, turn, and walk with Him. If you have any spiritual or physical need, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.